Welcome back to another episode of Sweet Script Stories. I'm Eric Grubaugh. And I'm Tim Dietrich. And this week, we wanted to talk about pricing. How do you set your prices or your rates or your fees for NetSuite development work? This came up sort of my idea because I've been really curious about this lately. I've been doing some interviews and some research on just setting rates for professional services development in general and interviews, you know, in the NetSuite space of how people think about, how they determine their rates and what variables they consider, what factors drive those decisions. So since you've had an opportunity to ask a lot of people about that type of thing, I think it's only fair that we get an opportunity to ask you about it. So how do you charge for your NetSuite work? So that depends. Classic consultant answer, right? So if we, so right now I don't do any NetSuite development work, right? I don't, I don't sell uh, NetSuite development services. So, but I, I feel like that's really what we're talking about here. And that's what I've been researching and asking people about. So when I was selling those things, um, I started out like anyone else. Uh, and just billing by the hour, generally either uh, working with people in my network or working through recruiters who were uh, you know, setting the rates for me. Um, but I, <laughs> anyone who's listened to me talk or read my writing for any amount of time knows I'm very biased against the, the billable hour. Um, but I did start there. So as I progressed and learned a little, little bit more, did some more research on pricing and sort of stuff and got more curious about actually running a business, I started practicing value-based fees, value-based pricing. Uh, there are lots of resources I can link to in defining what that is, but basically the idea is instead of pricing your inputs, so if you're billing by the hour, uh, you know, you're, you're pricing the number of hours you put in. You're pricing how long does it take you to do the thing. Uh, and another common model would be like cost plus, right, where you sort of guesstimate. It's a little bit, it's, it's almost the same. You sort of guesstimate how many hours the thing will take you. You multiply that by some hourly rate, and then you add some arbitrary markup, profit margin to that value. Uh, so both of those models rely on your inputs. And with value-based pricing, it's a little different. You are more focused on the outcomes for the client. So um, you, and, and you base your fees, you base your fees, you base the scope of the project, all of that stuff on the outcomes the client is driving for, not on your inputs. I will pause there because I feel like I just bleh. <laughs> it's yeah it's hard it's a lot to take in and it's a lot to yeah. spit out for sure um okay so for me i usually bill by the hour okay um, so i will let me let me tie a bow on mine first i guess uh, okay so what that ends up looking like uh i would often have a proposal with three or four options 
um, each with a different rate based on some percentage of sort of the, the outcome that the client perceived. Um, those are all fixed fees. They all came with some sort of guarantee, depending on the type of work. If it was um, sort of a more productized service uh, uh, option, say like a technical roadmap for the project, that would have a 100% money back guarantee. If it was code work, that would have a 100% I'll keep working until you're satisfied um, <laughs> a guarantee on it. And which can be terrifying if you bill by the hour or cost plus even more so. Um, and so they were all fixed price, all fixed fees, and I got paid in advance, in full in advance for those projects. Okay, that's all. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that you brought that up, how you, in your proposals, it wasn't like you just threw a single number down and said, okay, here's... Yeah, Here, this is it. I mean, there may be cases where you did that, but it sounds like you've normally given a sometimes a good, better, best situation, or you've broken it down into phases and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, definitely. I never wanted if I was going to take the time to write a proposal, I did not want to give the client a yes/no decision. I wanted to give them a um, more of a yes, but how. I guess, like mm -hmm. multiple options for working with me, not just a binary yes or no decision. Right. Yeah, I think that's important. And I we could have a whole conversation about the art of preparing proposals uh, because there, there's a lot that you can do around that to make that a better experience for yourself and also for the customer. Um, just one quick thing I'll throw out there is if, if it's possible, don't just email a proposal to the customer. Instead, schedule a call with them to actually walk through it. Mm -hmm. You can ask questions and kind of present it Definitely. You know, with them. And I think that's a much better way to do it than just blindly shooting an email off saying, hey, here's my best guess on some of, <laughs> some of what we talked about. I hope this is really what you meant, you know, that sort of thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, it helps you lay out your thinking that sometimes you don't either don't always include or, or mm -hmm. doesn't come across right in the, in the writing that right. helps you clarify that sort of stuff. So you mentioned you bill by the hour. Um, I promise yeah. I will mostly stay off the soapbox and not jump down your throat. So well, how do you, how do you determine what your rate is? So I guess I should say, you know, yeah, I do. I usually bill by the hour. I have tried every pricing method I think that was mm -hmm. under the sun, <laughs> the hourly fixed price, value-based yep. retainers is another one that we didn't touch on yet, but that's a whole other thing. Sure. Um, but it, it, for whatever reason, I always sort of come back to just uh, charging by the hour. Um, I, how do I determine my hourly rate? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I don't have a good answer for that, other than that it's based in large part on things like what I think the market will bear, you know, like what is the going rate for whatever it is I'm being asked to do, mixed in with how much I want to make, 
mixed in with, uh, you know, how much do I really want to work on this particular project? What's the relationship I have with the customer or the prospective customer? I'm kind of jumping ahead here because one of the things that I think we're going to talk about is like, what other things should you consider? Mm -hmm. Um, That's okay. But ultimately my, my rate is a blend of all those different things. At least usually I sometimes, but rarely uh, do fixed pricing on a project. Um, I have to feel really, really good about the scope of that project and when I say that, I mean as few unknowns as possible, um, you know, in terms of like things I've never done before that I'm being asked to do on that project, things that I have done before that I know are going to be tricky, you know, because they always are, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, so so it, it is a mix of hourly with sometimes doing fixed pricing. You touched on productized services there for a second, I think. And that's mm-hmm. something else that literally overnight, I kind of launched what I consider to be my first somewhat productized service. Um, and that was interesting too, because essentially there, I do have fixed prices for the service, like how it's like, I have a ch- price for setting it up and then an annual subscription fee, which is something I've never really done before. Um, so that was interesting. And I just literally shot, t- took a shot in the dark with regards to the pricing that I, I offered on that service. So it's a combination of how long it took me to build the thing. Again, what I think the market will bear, the kind of customers I think are going to want to use the service, um, that sort of thing. So it's very, it's, I wish that we had uh, concrete, you know, sure fire answers to these questions, like how should you be charging for your NetSuite work? But I don't think that there are, you know, single answers to some of the questions we're going to ask today that mm. are going to apply to everyone in every situation. Right. So I guess I'll go back to what you said, right? How do you, how do you charge for your NetSuite work? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> it does depend. There are a lot of variables to consider we're not necessarily advocating you know, for yeah. one model over the other because uh, we don't know your situation but uh, we could explore how we go about it how we think about it so you mentioned a couple times sort of whether it's your hourly rate or this rate for your your new service uh, you mentioned the what the market will bear how do you figure that out um there's a couple ways that I do it. One is I just, I look at other uh, companies' websites. Very few will give up that answer just, you know, on their site, but some do. Sometimes there's conversations in some of the online um, forums, Slack, uh, the Sweet Professional Slack. Occasionally you'll see something come up there, like mm-hmm. whether it's in jobs or the jobs channel or whatever. Um, and then interestingly enough, there was a thread, um, I'm trying to figure out when this was, I think it was in, it was actually April of last year. And it's funny because you were on this thread on the, uh, on that, or no, it was actually in the jobs channel on the, on that suite. Um, 
where somebody was asking about what's a reasonable hourly rate on the East Coast of the United States. And um, there was some interesting, like people actually threw numbers uh, into that thread. Mm -hmm. And the range was anywhere from like 50 to $250 an hour and then higher. Um, but that's one way that I try to get a sense of like what the market will bear. Um, you can also sometimes see it based on jobs that are posted you know, where, whether it's um, a job where they're paying you by the hour, you know, it's a contract position or, uh, you know, it's actually a project and they put the range that they're willing to pay. Um, but I think what the market will bear for me, it's that's less of a factor when I'm trying to determine what my rate should be than how much I want to make. And so... I guess I'll just sort of leave it at that. Yeah. But, but we could talk specifics about that thread from last year, which is interesting. Because what was funny about it is I pulled it up. I took a screenshot of this thread. So you probably can't see it on, on the Slack channel if you tried now, because it's this, it's such an old thread. Sure. But your response was classic. You said, alternatively, don't bill by the hour. <laughs> which I thought was awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so you have all these people throwing all these different methodologies out in different ranges. And here you basically just threw water on it all and said, you know, you don't have to build by the hour. <laughs> yeah. There are other pricing models and they are all worth uh, your investigation. If you, if you run a business or if you are at all in charge of uh, setting rates, um, it is worth investigating and researching other models just like you would research other architecture patterns or tool sets or anything else involved in performing your craft yeah i totally agree so i i look at some of the same places um mostly i've been doing this this like i mentioned i've been doing this research i've been talking to not a ton, but quite a few, like uh, either directors of development or, uh, you know, otherwise leadership, director level or executive level leaders of, of smaller sweet script firms and, and also individual contributors and or people looking to go out on their own. Um, and I have seen, I, I asked a while ago, I asked, I put out this very quick question of, What's the maximum rate you could possibly imagine uh, charging for NetSuite development work? And I got answers from $30 an hour to 300, I think was the largest response. Most people said like 200 or 250 was the absolute maximum value they could imagine. Like no one could possibly charge more than that. <laughs> In reality, there are several, um, Firms charging at least $300. There are some high-profile firms more up in like the $500 range. And if you go way up into like the Deloitte's and the enterprise-level partners, they're charging anywhere from like $350 to $700 an hour for NetSuite development work. So <laughs> there's a wide, wide range of of imaginations and this this if you if all you're doing is sitting there and thinking about what the market will bear or thinking about you know who you're selling to and and 
uh, what if you're just thinking about what they can afford or what they'll agree to or whatever. Uh, maybe start doing some research and start asking those people instead. Do some competitive analysis and see yeah. what the market actually looks like. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that is it is hard to imagine people charging some of those higher amounts. But when you think about some of the conversations that we've had in previous episodes where we've talked about specialization and things like that, if, if someone has positioned themselves as being an expert on solving a very specific problem, an expensive problem, um, I think you are more likely to be able to charge a higher rate for it. And I would suspect that in cases where people are getting that much higher hourly rate, that is what's going on. They're not just a generalist NetSuite developer. They're probably serving, you know, if not entirely like more of a consulting service, providing more of a consulting, you know, type situation there, solution. Um, if it's not entirely that, it's probably a big part of it. Where, where somebody's coming to them and saying, we've got this problem that we don't know how to solve. You seem to be the expert in it. Uh, you know, you're the guy for us. You know, you're definitely the developer we want to work for or work with to get this solved. So just tell us your rate and just get started. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think, I think you're more likely to run into that situation when you're specializing or providing a very specific, um, you know, service like that. Would you agree with that? I, uh, yeah, I definitely the, the expertise part, I, we were jumping ahead to how do you raise your rates or how do you think about raising it or how often, but yeah, absolutely. The, the more narrowly you're focused on a problem, that's part of it, right? So positioning is a big part of positioning and expertise are a big part of raising your rates, commanding uh, premium fees. And the other part is trust, mm -hmm. building trust and visibility, expertise or authority uh, in a particular problem domain. I would say that saying you are an expert in SuiteScript or NetSuite development or however you want to word it is not enough. Uh, it's too easily, it's too large of a market. It's too easily comparable to thousands of other firms and developers and that. So you have to narrow your focus on a, a very particular problem set and then find the people who have you know those problems in order to command those those larger higher hourly rates because otherwise if you are directly comparable you, you better have a pretty good reason for charging two three four times what another one with us another person or another firm with a very similar description is yeah, I think a good way to sum that up is you don't want to be differentiating yourself just based on price. You don't want to be, I'm, I'm the, well, maybe you do. Maybe that's your strategy. Like I'm the, I'm the low cost NetSuite developer. Yeah, that's certainly a, 
uh, right. strategy you can you can go for. Yeah, absolutely. Right, but if your goal is to make more, to charge a higher hourly rate, to charge a premium service, mm -hmm. specializing is the way to go. Um, at least that's that's my advice. So, yeah, if if you live in a very expensive place, it's probably not an option to to go that route. Yeah, to be the the discount that suite developer, mm -hmm. right? So when you we're doing NetSuite development and you were being, whether, whether initially maybe you were doing hourly or not, I don't know, but like when mm -hmm. you were trying to come up with the price to present to the customer, what were the other factors that you would consider, you know, besides even say value? Like, were there other factors that came into play for you? So in the, in the days when I was, Billing by the hour, I almost never set the rates. I was, I was usually getting offers. Um, you know, okay. who I was usually subcontracting, or again, I was working through a uh, recruiting firm, and so the rates were set for me. Um, sometimes there, sometimes there would be some negotiation, but I think the highest rate I was ever able to command was one fifty on an hourly basis. Um, but that's not really a service I ever actively marketed or anything like that. I got all that work through relationships or recruiters. So it's possible, you know, if I would have, if I was ever planning on building a business around that, I would have approached it differently than just being a general NetSuite development subcontractor. So, but uh, so certainly, the, uh, especially as an individual, as a solopreneur, as we say, honestly, the biggest concern, the, the overhead of my business is so minimal. It's, uh, it's almost negligible, almost. So that's not really a concern, right? I don't have employees. I don't have contractors to pay. I don't have anything like that. The biggest expense I have is taxes. And, and so I, you know, include that in my consideration, but other than that, it's usually just sort of the, the factors I consider most then were opportunity costs. How long is this project? How long do we think this project is going to take? How, uh, you know, about how much revenue and profit, especially profit, am I going to make off of this project? And what could I do in that time instead? And would that be more beneficial in the long run? That's usually what I was thinking about. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious about, we, we dipped into raising your rates and we, we more talked about, I guess, one factor of, of raising your rates, but how, often do you how often do you raise your rates so i don't raise them very often um i did raise them late last year early this year mm -hmm. um, because someone that i know 
convinced me that I was not charging enough and they were right. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's something that I wish that I had done sooner. And I I am planning to kind of review that um, at least every year, you know, to kind of see where where am I with things. Um, because it was kind of a surprise to me just how uh, much, how, how can I word this? Uh, how much I was undercharging, how low my rate was compared to what it really should have been. Um, so yeah, there's that. And sort of looping back a little bit too, like when I do consider my rate, like you said, cost Mm -hmm. doesn't really come into it with the exception of opportunity cost, which is kind of a weird thing to, to figure out. And it's fuzzy for sure. Yeah. That's burned me many, many times, but yes, um, no sooner will I accept a project than, you know, the dream project will come right behind it that I now can't take on. Right. But that's a whole other topic. But yeah, that's really mm-hmm. the only cost for me is opportunity cost. Like, I mean, I say that obviously we have costs of running our businesses, but it really is negligible when you think about it. There's, yeah. And we've talked about that in previous episodes that you don't need much to get started um, in this business um, in terms of, you know, hardware, software, services, stuff like that. But the other things that I do take into account are also kind of fuzzy. Um, one of them is the relationship that I have with the client or the prospective client. Like, how mm-hmm. do I feel about them? Do I enjoy working with them? Do I think I'm going to enjoy working with them? You know, are, are they difficult <laughs> to work with? Um, so there's that. Then there's the project itself, like the complexity of the project. You know, if it's a complex project, I might charge more for it um, just because it's you know, probably got a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that could go off the rails. Um, My interest in the project is also something that is a huge factor for me. You know, I get uh, opportunities to work on a lot of projects that I just, you know, they're snooze fests right there. And, you know, sometimes that's okay. And not every project needs to push you, you know, out of your comfort zone, but some of them are just, you know, eh. or I'm just, just generally not interested in it at all, you know, in which case I'll sometimes either pass or, you know, offer a rate that you almost hope that, you know, the customer uh, declines on. So you don't have one like fixed rate. You, you sort of, you have maybe an, a, a typical value and then you, you sort of adjust a little bit from there yeah. based on the way right. the wind is blowing. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. That's probably the only thing I don't uh, adjust it on, but yeah, I mean, I have kind of a rate that I know that I want like a target, a range sure. that I'm, I know I want to be in. Mm-hmm. And that kind of moves based on these things I'm talking about. Um, you mentioned the length of the project, which, you know, kind of ties back to opportunity cost a little bit, a longer project, you know, Sometimes it's nice having a long-term project. Um, sometimes it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes you don't realize that, oh boy, this project's never going to end until you kind of yeah. get into it. <laughs> uh, and it feels like that, like, oh boy, what have I done? Um, yeah, it's tough. 
the urgency of the project is another one. You know, if I get a customer that calls me at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon and they need a solution in place by close of business or opening <laughs> business the next day, you know, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a factor in it. Um, Surge pricing. Yeah, almost like that, right? It's just, it, it, you know, what are you going to do? Um, I don't always charge more for those projects, but I, I usually do. If nothing else, I, it, I make a mental note that, uh, you know, okay, how many mm -hmm. times has this happened with that client? Because that will change the relationship that I have with the client or how I feel about them. Definitely. You know, everything can't be an emergency. Um, and then the last thing is the unknowns. Um, and we could, you know, talk about the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns, <laughs> whatever. But just what about this project is, you know, unclear to me? Like what? part of this uh, do I not feel like I have 100% grasp on in terms of uh, what's it going to take to make it work or what is the potential for this thing to fail because this there's some part of it that I've never done before or that uses something that is notoriously you know challenging or whatever um, and so those things all come into to, to play when I'm trying to determine the rate um, sure. So there's that. Yeah. So I'm curious when you, and if you don't want to answer this, that's okay. Uh, Cause I didn't clear this with you ahead of time, but when you did raise your rates, how much, like what percentage did you increase your rates by? Like your average rate, let's say. Um, anywhere from 25 to even as high as 50%. And, uh, Honestly, I probably could have gone a little bit higher. Um, I guess I'll never know now unless I raise it again. Uh, so it was considerable, and it had been a long time since I had done that. Um, you know, did and you, one and, of the, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish. I, I was going to say, you know, one of the things about determining the rate is, I think one of the reasons that I I don't don't do it often or hadn't done it often and i suspect a lot of people don't um, either charge enough or don't raise their rates is that i think there's a fear that you're going to upset either existing clients or um, that the rate you're charging is going to you know drive away you know potential clients who just don't want to pay that rate and um and so you know, the, I think like for me, there was sort of that mental block there that there's a chance that I'm going to upset some existing clients. I'm going to sure. miss out on some opportunities. Um, and so regardless of whether we're talking about the rate that you're charging or how you're charging for your work, the decisions you make around that are, are going to have an impact on, uh, you know, your perspective um, you know, pool of clients. Mm -hmm. Some people are never going to agree to work with you um, on anything other than an hourly rate. So if you feel very strongly about not charging by the hour, you know, are you okay with that? You know, the fact that you, you're just, some people are just not going to work with you. Uh, okay, well. Correct. And the same goes, again, obviously with the rate or even charging different uh, amounts based on the project. You know, it's these all these decisions you make have an impact on your business. Um, and, you know, that's probably an understatement, but 
Did uh, I answer your question? You did. <laughs> you didn't yeah. ever get a chance to answer, ask there's it, a, really. There's a whole bunch of points I want to come back to in there, but I, I am curious. So you increased your rates by 25 or maybe even 50%. Did you lose clients out of that? Did you alienate any clients from doing that? I don't know that I have. Um, you know, we're in a weird time right now, I think, with the economy and there are some, there are a lot of businesses that are struggling anyway. Um, and so I suspect that, yeah, for some of them, you know, some of them probably begrudgingly uh, agreed to the higher rate. Maybe some of them pulled back on the scope of the work they wanted me to do, or maybe they just didn't even approach me with something that they had planned on. Um, but the truth is I've never been busier. So it, it, it hasn't had an overall negative impact on the business. Um, and one of the reasons for me charging more is because, you know, I can't keep up with the demand. It's been very difficult to do that. Uh, so another way of kind of saying no to opportunities is kind of say yes, but, and the but being yes, but I, I, I'm going to charge you this rate to do it, right? It's yeah. potentially higher than before. Mm -hmm. So so there's that. Yeah, I would say you you haven't found yet what the market will bear for your services. I sure, I sure. So one of the questions I was going to ask was, but it's a little unfair because I know the answer, but what, what are the triggers? What are the signals that you use to know you should raise your rates? Um, I, I understand in this case, when you, you did it most recently, it was because someone, you know, you were having a conversation with someone, you know, and but before that, were you, were you feeling something like what was happening that even made that come about or more importantly, made you actually do it? Um, what were the signals of, I need to charge I more? I think being chronically overbooked is certainly a signal, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's a strong one, actually. Uh, probably the, the strongest one. Yeah. Um, Surefire way to know that you are not charging enough is if everyone agrees to your rate with no negotiation or discussion right. or argument. Or <laughs> if everyone says yes, you're not charging enough. So, yeah, that, so that's definitely a huge part of it. The other part of it was that I had started to get clear. I, I didn't have the clarity that I feel like I have right now in terms of how I'm positioning myself, but I was starting to move in that direction. You know, I was starting to not try to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. And it felt like it, as a result of that, I could charge more. I was being more specialized. Um, and so it seemed like, okay, if I'm going to head down this path, in theory, I guess I thought I, I would have less business by specializing, although we both know that's not true. Um, and so I thought, well, if I'm going to be doing less work, I should charge more for the work I am doing to make up for that. And that was my strange thought pattern there. Um, in reality, though, that the more clear I got, and and I feel like I'm extremely clear right now in my positioning, like what I'm offering. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually busier or have more opportunities now than ever before, which is ironic. And 
I am able to charge more because I am specializing. So right. it's, I, I feel like I'm, I don't know if I'm speaking in tongues here. I feel like I just, I don't know what I just said, but I think you know exactly what I mean by all that. Maybe I sure do. Clarify it. Yeah. There's a apocryphal maybe joke that Jonathan Stark loves to tell all the time about there's a barber who gets asked, you know, what would you, what would happen if you doubled your rates? And the barber says, if I doubled my rates, I'd lose half my clients. Yeah. That's a good thing. Well, it is a good thing. Um, for me though, the, I, I guess the, the weird part of it was that by specializing and raising my rates, I didn't lose half my clients. And so, yeah, it hasn't, fully solve the problem of being overbooked. Uh, that's a whole other topic, you know, like <laughs> how, to, how to prevent that from happening. It's more than just raising your rate. I think it's that's a whole yes therapy the, session. Yeah, it's saying yes to the right projects, regardless of how much you're being paid for them. But that's, yeah, it's a whole other topic. So, so it was a double whammy, right? It was, uh, you know, yes, I raised my rates. Yes, I specialized. I thought I was going to end up with fewer clients, but in reality, now that it's very clear what I'm offering, people that are coming to me know exactly what I'm offering and we're more likely, they're, they're more likely to be a viable um, prospect. You know, like they, they, they're usually already convinced that I can help them because they, they are clear as to what it is I do. Feel like this is starting to turn into another specialization episode but somehow we always end up there <laughs> they're they're very very closely related uh, yeah very tightly related i mean the, i think the big takeaway is that by specializing you can potentially and very likely charge more for what you do mm -hmm. and so going back to the question that you know, i think you were really asking me which is how often do you raise your rates i'm hoping that like each year I will take the time to review that if not more often, but if I pivot again, which I don't plan on doing anytime soon, but who knows with me right tomorrow, I might be, I don't know <laughs> who knows what I'll be doing tomorrow. But if you're, if you are positioning yourself, if you're pivoting, if you're getting, you know, more specialized, I, I think you owe it to yourself to figure out like, okay, by doing this, can I charge more? Or maybe, you know, it's just, it's, maybe you've positioned yourself in such a way that you do not have to charge by the hour anymore. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of those other pricing models that you mentioned early on, like especially value-based, maybe that does become more of a viable option for you. Yeah, the, so the, the nice thing, the attractive thing about billing by the hour is that it's very easy. It's very comparable. It's very uh, well-known, well-understood, common. It's, and it doesn't require you to do that much in terms of positioning or marketing or, uh, or uh, trust building. You have to do enough so that people are aware of you and then you set your rate competitively amongst your competitors and that's about all you have to do. Develops a few relationships. Uh, the further you move away from that, 
into more fixed models, the more work you have to do in building trust and uh, demonstrating expertise and that you can deliver on clients' outcomes uh, because, because it gets less and less comparable. If everyone else is charging by the hour and you come in with a fixed price, fixed fee, it's much harder to compare now. Hmm. Especially if uh, you're coming in with a, a value-based price. That's going to be way different than any cost plus or hourly rate. Yeah. Typically. Um. So I, I do want to, I have a hard stop coming up here, but I do want to talk about, we did want to talk about some of the research I've been doing. Uh, I'll circle back a little bit to some of the other questions we've had. Because the, we talk about costs a lot. And as individual, as individuals, we don't, we don't have a ton of costs, but someone running a team or an agency, a firm, has all kinds of costs to consider and, and build into their rate. They have your salary if you are the developer. Uh, they have to pay you, right? Salary is easily the, the biggest chunk. Then there's any other sort of compensation, right? They're paying your taxes or half your taxes at least. They're paying insurance. They're paying any other benefits you might have. They're paying for any, they're paying for any uh, unbilled time, basically, if, assuming you're billing by the hour. Uh, so any PTO, any holidays, any really just any non-build time, daily stand-up or, or whatever, anything that doesn't get billed, any hour you work that's not going to a client has to be accounted for and built into the rate. And then there's all kinds of other costs to defray across their employees as well. So uh, any you know administrative people, uh, rent, utilities things like that, uh, bonuses, sales, marketing salaries, basically like any non-billable, you know, employees, they're defraying all those costs and building those into the rate as well. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of costs that go into the rate when you start, uh, adding employees to the rate. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why when you, compare, uh, especially on an hourly basis, what a firm is going to charge versus, you know, whether it's a solopreneur or, you know, a contractor, it's one of the reasons that it, it's so different, right? I mean, in theory, um, you know, as a solopreneur or a contractor, you're not, again, you're not going to have those costs to consider. Right. That doesn't mean that your rate should be, you know, like dramatically different, but it certainly gives you a competitive edge, I think, to some extent. Well, sometimes. I mean, that's right. There's other things to consider if you're hiring someone, whether you're trying to make the decision between going with a contractor or going with a firm, it shouldn't really just come down to the rate in my mind. Um, yeah, and it, it won't. Often it won't. It yeah. will, you know. Uh, someone who's looking at a, an individual versus a, a firm is going to be asking questions of the individual like, well, what happens if you take a vacation or what happens if you, uh, you know, get sick or 
What happens if yeah. we need you in the middle of the night or you know, those types of questions where they're going to have more trust that a firm with multiple resources and multiple employees to, to throw at their problems will be better able to handle those types of situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in your research, was there anything in particular that you heard besides the shocking, like, uh, you know, range of what's the maximum amount you think you could charge? Yeah. Is there anything else that was sort of like, you know, an eye opener for you or just you know, incredibly surprising to you? I think how much or maybe how little research goes into a lot of people setting their rates. Um especially for individuals and the very, very small teams, you know, two, three, four people, they sort of just base it on feel and whatever the last person said yes to, maybe they'll bump it up like five or 10%, something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, just like how little competitive analysis there is uh, and, and things like that. And sort of, especially individuals will look at like, how much do I want to make? And then they'll reverse engineer a rate based on that. So that, that was surprising to me. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah, it it was definitely surprising that like the maximum rate people could ever imagine was $250. That's, that's probably the bottom end of what firms are charging. Right. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, like we said at the top of this episode, there's a, I think there's a lot that we could talk about in terms of pricing. Not surprisingly, there's a lot of rabbit holes we could have gone down here. Um, you know, the value-based pricing is something that we've talked about before, and that is an episode in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but again, I think the big takeaway from all this is that there's no right or wrong way to price your services. You know, it really, it just depends. It sounds like such a lame answer, (laughs) but there it is. Right. (laughs) But at least we've thrown out a lot of things for people to think about. mm -hmm. And there's not one way, you know, there's not, there's not one right or wrong way either. There's multiple ways you could charge just because you bill bill for one thing by the hour doesn't mean you couldn't have another service that has a fixed fee associated to it for mm-hmm. a book or some, you know, a product, something right. like that. Uh, you can, you don't have to only uh, offer one service with one rate. You can have a variety of services, products, productized services, retainers, again, that we didn't really talk about. Um, you yeah. can start to vary your services as well as how you charge for them mm-hmm. and reach uh, more of your market to your intended audience at different budget levels. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. I have a hard stop here in a couple of minutes, but, uh, did you, do you have anything cool to, to wrap up with this week? 
I do. It's kind of a geeky thing. I don't even know where yeah, I stumbled the upon things. this. <laughs> yeah, the best things usually are. It's a website. It's actually just a simple site where you can pop in some a JSON uh, uh, encoded data, you know, basically a string into this form, and it'll convert it into a CSV file for you. And I know mm -hmm. that that, like, as a developer, it's like a big deal. But for a lot of customers that I work with who, you know, they kind of understand what JSON is, but they don't, you know, can you just give me this as a spreadsheet? This is kind of a cool site for people like that because you can just shoot them some JSON, they pop it in, and then they've got something they can work with, take it into Excel and do whatever, whatever the crazy spreadsheet stuff they want to do with it. So I'll provide a link to that in the show notes. It's the JSON to CSV converter. Very tricky. <laughs> how about you yeah i see that request all the time in the professional slack like how do i make a csv or how do i parse a csv and that yeah. question comes up all of that uh for me really quickly i am doing some additional uh, very light research on how people go about building communities of practice and in doing that i'm trying to look for like what tools do they use, what services, what applications um, that aren't Slack-based, that aren't so interrupt-driven as, as Slack. Uh, and so things like Basecamp have come up and a few other applications, but the one I find really interesting right now that I've been looking into, I haven't even used it yet, I'm just very curious about it, is Notion. Um, yeah. I would love to hear from people that have used Notion <laughs> For, for some purpose and hear about how it goes and how it is. Because I'm very curious about, about using that for a couple purposes I have or a couple ideas that I have in mind. I actually have a client that uses that and they absolutely love it. And I'm afraid to like get too into it. But, yeah. <laughs> Could be dangerous. Yeah. We'll need another tool right now or a distraction, even if it's going to re reduce other distractions. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. That's the key, right? Eliminate yeah. the distractions and the interruptions. Yep. All right. Well, you want to close this out? I think so. We definitely have some topics to, to revisit here and, and come back to in the future. Yeah. But that will do it for this week. Hope you come back next time for another Sweet Script story. <laughs>